Good morning, morning. and happy birthday, faith community. Some of us are 24 years old. Some of you are much younger. So whether you're one week old or a one year old or 24 year old with with the rest of us, some of us have been around with each other in ministry for more than 24 years. As a matter of fact, getting very close to 32 years. So happy birthday, everyone. Enjoy your day. Enjoy this month. And um, reach out with the love of Christ to those around you. One day, God was looking down at earth, and he saw all the evil that was going on. He decided he would send an angel down to earth to check it out. So he called one of his best angels, and he sent the angel to earth for a while. And when he returned, he told God, yes, (laughs) it is bad on earth. 95% is bad. About 5% is good. Well, God thought for a moment... And he thought, maybe he'd better send down a second angel to get another point of view. So God called another angel and sent him to earth for a time. Now, when the second angel returned, he went to God to report and told him, yes, the earth is in decline. 95% of it is bad. 5% is good. And God said, this was not good. So he decided to send an email to the 5% that were good. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to give them a little something to help them keep going. And uh, do you know what that email said? Oh, you didn't get one either. Hmm. Hmm. What a bummer, huh? So that means you're bad and I'm bad. Now, it's actually, it's probably worse than that. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. And sometimes that old man of sin still plagues us, right? Still haunts us and still runs roughshod over these lives of ours. Of course, most of us don't like to admit that. And we especially don't want to admit that we struggle. But we do. We do. Today, thankfully, we're on the victory side of the crucifixion. Amen? And what does that mean? It means we have victory through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, and our Lord. Since he rose from the dead, he is who he claimed to be, and he can do what he says he can do, and he bore all of our sins of all the world, of all time, on that cross of Calvary. 
You know, thankfully, because Jesus took all of that sin in his own body on the tree, I just got thinking about this the other day. We will have no sins to account for. Yeah, it excited me too. Why? Because Jesus has already paid in full for those sins. Past, present, and future. I'm going to say it again. Thankfully, because of Jesus bearing all of our sin in his own body on the tree, we will have no sins to account for. I know, you sit sometimes, maybe we all do this, I don't know. You sit sometime and you think, well, what am I going to say to God when he asked me about this or that or something in my past there or a few years ago this? or Because Jesus bore all of our sins in his own body on the tree of Calvary, we will have no sins to account for. So what's your agenda for the day? What's your agenda for this part of your life, for the rest of your life, for that matter, as long or as short as it might be. Have you considered God's agenda for your life? Because Jesus conquered the grave, and we often sing songs about that here, and they're so exciting. Because he conquered the grave, he also should have conquered us. He should have conquered our hearts. He should have conquered our lives. He should have conquered our agendas, our future, our plans. And that very thought leads me right now into the theme of my message this morning. True worship here and now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so excited today because we know your word is opening to us and you have something special for us. May we be attentive listeners and may we not only listen and hear, but may we also put into action that which you're calling us to do. And we pray a blessing, the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon your word and upon every soul here and all those who listen. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think the hardest struggle that we as humans have to deal with is our own independence. And it seems like we strive and strive and strive throughout our lives to gain independence. But we are absolutely independent in a stubborn way, and I don't think there are any exclusions here. And we don't want anybody to run or rule our lives. Matter of fact, most don't even want any suggestions. And yet the Lord deserves this place, this special place, this prominent place, this first and only place in our lives. John the Baptizer is a great example of this. He had the right attitude right from the start. When he said of Jesus in John 3 and 30, and we'll put it on the screen, I think, so you can, you can follow this, he must become greater and I must become less. And in the KJV, it reads, he must increased, increase, but I must decrease. We must allow Jesus to increase in our lives. Now, the only way that he can increase is for you and I to decrease. Two objects can't occupy the same space. 
You see, he must become king, he must become lord, he must become master because of who he is, and I'm coming back to it now, and because of what he did for us on that old rugged cross. If you were to turn in your Bible or in your Bible app and follow with me, you'll find in Matthew chapter 28 two interesting verses. I think you know the backstory. And so I won't read all that. I have other scripture I do want to share with you. But at Matthew 28, verses 8 and 9, here's what we read. This is the the scene at the tomb of Jesus. Remember, women. Yeah, women. Last at the cross, first at the tomb. Extremely important people. So the women hurried away from the tomb Afraid, I like this, afraid yet filled with joy. Can I just say that again? Afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And without a word, they came to him and they clasped his feet. And they worshipped him. You see, after the resurrection, the first thing any human did was worship Jesus. He's no less worthy of our worship today. Let me ask, have you fallen at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him? Because Because of the resurrection truth, we need to get with God's program of worship. And I'm not talking about a corporate system here. I just want you to keep your mind completely open to what Scripture says here today. We need to get more into worship. Not just corporate, but personal worship. Because when we get to heaven, we will worship the Lord. (laughs) Amen. So how do we worship then? What do we do? I don't want to uh, uh, make it cumbersome, so I'm going to try to keep it really light and simple, but I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself. We need to worship the Lord in different ways, and first, I say we need to worship the Lord only. We need to get that settled. In Matthew 4, verse 10, Jesus is speaking here, and I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. He says, away from me, Satan... For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, this is the story of after Jesus fasting 40 days and nights in the wilderness, Satan hit him with three very strong temptations. But Jesus slapped Satan in the face with the truth of God. Jesus plainly told Satan, there is only one true God and he alone is to be worshipped. And you and I agree, amen? Now, I can't tell you what pastor, I can't tell you what church, I can't tell you what town, and I can't even tell you in what era, but there was a pastor who sneaked off early one Sunday morning to play golf. Looking down from heaven, the angel Michael spotted this lone golfer on the course, and he pointed him out to Peter. And Peter said, ah, 
I'll fix him. So the golfer lines up and drives the ball. The ball is heading for the woods. Then it bounces against a tree, struck a bridge, flew into the woods behind the sixth hole, and rebounded again to the land, to land in the cup, 520 yards away. You call that fixing him, exclaimed the angel? Certainly, said Peter. Who's he going to tell? <laughs> I lightened you up to read some scripture that are not, the scriptures that are not so light. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 21. Paul says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. In verse 25 of Romans 1 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We're seeing a lot of that in our society today. And worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Interesting verses, interesting words. Creation, my friend, is never to be worshipped, never to be praised, only the Creator. Creation is never to be worshipped and never to be praised, only the Creator. It's about probably 85 years ago, so they say, maybe 90. A great preacher by the, by the name of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. He was standing outside of his church one Sunday evening after service, and uh, that was the 10th Presbyterian Church of Philadelphia. If you know church history recently, you know that was a famous church. And, and he was standing there talking to a group of his, of his parishioners and and, and there was this one young lady who was talking to the pastor, and she said she was a Christian, and she wanted to follow Christ. That's very noble. But, she told Dr. Barnhouse, she wanted to be famous, too. And she wanted to pursue a stage career, drama career, in New York City. And Dr. Barnhouse, the pastor, said, uh, uh, what else do you want to do? Well, she said, that's just about it for now. But she says, after I've made it in the theater, then I want to follow Christ completely. Pastor Barnhouse took a key out of his pocket, and he took a few steps over to the corner of the curb, and he scratched a mark on a postal box that was standing there on the corner. He says, this is what that will do. This is what God will let you do. 
God will let you scratch the surface of success and he will let you get close enough to the top to know what it is, but he'll never let you have it all the way because he will never let one of his children have anything rather than himself. Some years later, he met the now mature lady again and she confessed that this had indeed been her life story. She had dabbled on the stage. Uh, she even once had her picture in a, a national, like a drama, drama magazine. But she never really quite made it in lights in the theater. And she told Dr. Barnhouse this. I can't tell you how many times in my discouragement I've closed my eyes and seen you scratching on that postal box with your key. God, let me scratch the edges of fame and notoriety. But he ever gave me anything in place of himself. You see, folks, that's the way it should be. But some, sad to say, forsake Jesus for other things, for lesser things, for base things. They have a substitute Savior, it seems. And it's never to their satisfaction, their satisfaction. never, never, never. We are to worship the Lord our God and Him only. So if you're taking notes, just get that down. We are to worship Him only. True worship. Here and now. Secondly, we are to worship the Lord everywhere. Everywhere. Matthew 14 is a tremendous chapter, and I want to read several verses. I'm starting at verse 22 if you're following in your Bible or your Bible app. Verse 22 of Matthew 14 reads, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, Lord, if it's you, who else would say that but Peter, tell me to come to you on the water. I love the next command. Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, but when he saw the wind, but when he saw the wind, just put your hand way up high in the air if you've ever seen the wind. Okay, you'll have to get a picture of it next time. I've never seen the wind. I'm reading from Scripture. This is phenomenal. Matter of fact, I've got a big red circle around it. But when he saw the wind, what do you mean he saw the wind? He didn't see the wind. 
He was afraid. (laughs) And he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. That is the best prayer in the whole Bible. Simple but powerful. He didn't see the wind. He might have seen some effects of the wind. But his problem wasn't the wind and his problem wasn't the waves. His problem was he took his eyes off the goal. And then it says, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him when the wind and the storm or whatever it was died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Have you ever noticed that before? Saying, truly you are the Son of God. Hey, there was worship going on in that boat out in the middle of the lake. Wow. Wow. Some people have problems when they get out on the lake. I could tell you a few fishing stories. Jack had a problem. He, he had an awful day. Fished on the lake all day, sitting in the blazing sun. Never caught one single fish. On his way home, he stopped at the, at the supermarket and he ordered four catfish. And he told the man behind the counter, he said, pick four large ones out, if you would, and throw them at me, will you? No, no, the guy said, why do you want me to throw them at you? And Jack said, because I want to tell my wife that I caught them. (laughs) The guy looked a little puzzled, and he kind of leaned over the case, and he said to Jack, okay, but I suggest you take the trout. Why is that, asked Jack. Because your wife came in earlier today and said that if you came by, I should tell you to take the trout because that's what she'd like for supper tonight. (laughs) Have you worshipped Jesus in your boat? Have you worshipped Jesus in your car lately? The way some of you drive, you should start practicing that. (laughs) What about in your home, right in your house? Is there worship going on? What about while you're mowing the lawn? What about when you're doing the dishes? Do we still do dishes? I don't know. Between paper plates and dishwashers, I I don't know whether we do that or not, but it's an old thought. I'll tell you what it's like. Or what about doing your homework? Or what about walking down the street? Or what about when you're at your workstation? Or what about, what about, what about have you worshipped God lately? Oh yeah, I go to church every Sunday or I try to. Okay, you missed the whole first part of the message. Maybe you can get the second half. So sit up and listen now. How do we worship Jesus while doing these things I just mentioned and in these places? Well, maybe we have to whisper words of praise. He loves that. He loves for you to speak gently. I don't think you whisper if you're talking over the lawnmower. I think he really wants to hear you. 
But things like, thank you, Lord, for giving me the strength to do this job. I have people say, well, I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to church Sunday or having anything to do with that because I just, I just, I work hard all week and I, and I do this and I do that. And I want to say, and I do sometimes, well, who do you think gave you the strength to do that the other six days of the week? He's not asking for six days. He's asking for some time. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the lawn that you gave me so I have something to mow and I have a nice looking property. Thank you for the house. Thank you for this and thank you for that and thank you for something else. I just want to bless you. I just want to praise you. And you can perform that type of, of, of worship and praise almost anywhere, anytime that you desire. We need to worship the Lord by giving him thanks wherever we are, day in, day out. Whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're on the road, everywhere. The renowned preacher Harry Ironside was in a crowded restaurant one day, and just as he was about to begin his meal, a man approached him and asked if he'd mind if he joined him. He was alone too. And uh, Mr. Ironside invited him to, no, come, have, have a seat. Then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. And when he opened his eyes, very interesting, after the prayer, I've never had this happen, the man asked, do you have a headache? And Dr. Ironside said, no, I don't, I really don't. The other man asked, well, is there something wrong with your food? And Ironside replied, no, I was simply thanking God, as I always do before I eat. Oh, the man says, you're one of those. Well, I want you to know, I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just dig right in. Ironside calmly said, yes, you're just like my dog. That's what he does, too. I told you here a message or two ago about being an ingrate. An ingrate is neither in nor great. You see, we need to pray everywhere. We need to be one of those. Oh, 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 okay, you're one of those. Oh, oh, okay. Mm. We need more of those's who are not afraid to admit that they're one of those. We need to pray everywhere. We need to praise everywhere. We need to worship everywhere. And who do we worship? The Lord. Because there's only one who is worthy of our worship, the one true and living God that we serve. Every chance we get, every good gift is from him. And he deserves praise all the time. In Psalm 150, I'm just giving you extra verses here. Some are on the screen, some aren't. Just for the note takers. And verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Just praise the Lord. In other words, praise him everywhere. <laughs> Start at home and let it spread everywhere. Where is everywhere? Say it with me. 
everywhere. Say it again. Everywhere. Where should we praise and worship God and pray and thank Him and give Him glory? Everywhere. So first, we ought to worship God only. Secondly, we ought to worship our Lord God everywhere. And thirdly, we ought to worship the Lord sincerely. Picture this. Picture this. little cartoon. It's a picture of a little boy sitting behind his mother, uh, sitting beside, excuse me, uh, on a church pew, sitting beside his father and his mother, uh, obviously in a church service. Just couldn't, couldn't take it any longer. Couldn't take it any longer. And he leans over to his father and whispers in his ear, Mom wants to cook dinner. You want to play golf. And I want to play football. Why are we here? Sound familiar? That's a good question. Why are we here? We've got people in this room this morning from Trenton, from Ellsworth, from... We got people from a lot of places. In-state, out-of-state, far away as Texas, some of them. We, we, we even have people here from Bar Harbor. We have people here from Bangor. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, uh. We, we have people here from some big cities. Surrey. <laughs> Lemoyne. Yeah. Waltham, do you? Yeah. You know, and the question was, and it still is, why are we here? Are we here because we really want to worship the Lord? Are we here because we feel pressured to come? I want to read for you, or you can read along if you'd like, but the shortest chapter in the Bible. You say, oh, I'm just going to read a whole chapter. I am. I am. These two verses contain the answer to some of life's biggest questions. They're really, really simple concepts, but they're so valuable. Oh, my. And the whole thesis is the shortest chapter in the Bible gives us the who, the what, and the why of life. The who, the what, and the why of life. First, the who. In Psalm 117, here's what we read. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. So these verses, especially the first verse, tells us who. And there are two who's here. First off, the Lord, mentioned as the Lord, and also mentioned as God. 
And who is the psalm about? It's about the Lord. It's about him. It's about the Lord being mentioned for his love and his faithfulness. The most important being in the universe and in this world and in our lives, let's hear this, should not be us. The universe doesn't revolve around you, and it doesn't revolve around me. The Bible makes it clear God is the epicenter of everything. And then the second who in Psalm 117 are human beings. Who is the psalm written to? Who is the Bible written for? Human beings. Say that with me. Human beings. Can we say it again? Human beings. That's who this psalm is to. That's who this Bible is for. And I think that includes all of us. The Bible's written for everyone. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 117. All nations, all peoples. Oh, my. Oh, oh boy. You see, every nation, every person, red, brown, yellow, black, and white in all the world is equally loved by our one true God. That's the who. Now the what. What should the whole world do in response to God, in response to the Bible, in response to these verses of Psalm 117? Well, verse 1 gives us the answer. There's so much packed into two little verses here. Really, a preacher that knew what he was doing could preach on this all day long. You'll be out soon. Gives us the answer. (laughs) Gives us the answer. Praise the Lord. And there's so many different ways. Just stop for a minute and put this into your mind. And I want you to meditate on this. There's so many different ways to praise the Lord and bring worship to Him. Oh, so many ways. So who, what, why? Here's the answer. I don't, I, I don't know only just a, I don't know a lot of, he, of the Hebrew language. And whenever I do veer off into that, I've researched it. And so I don't know how to translate these words from the original. But there was a commentator named Molaris, and he says that this verse, Psalm 117, verse 2. Now think about it as you're looking at the verse, or if you know the verse. This verse gives us a summary of the entire gospel. Wow. It's jam-packed, isn't it? Here's what it says. For great is his love toward us. There's the gospel, the good news. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Wow. Wow, that's power packed. It really, it really is. Several translations give us several words to think about here. And I want to leave a few other verses of Scripture with you if you're note-taking. In Hebrews 10, verse 23, we read, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for, we, for he who prom- promised it is faithful. And then you know truth. The truth of the Lord endures forever. How long does the truth of the Lord endure? How long is it going to endure? How long is the truth going to endure? There's only one truth. 
the truth of God himself. And John Huss said this, and I quote, Seek the truth, listen to the truth, teach the truth, love the truth, abide by the truth, and defend the truth unto death. Well, powerful words from a powerful man. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am, or the I am, the way and the truth and the truth, the truth, the truth and the life. I am the way, way maker. I am the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And in Hebrews 13, verse 8, famous scripture, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And 2 John 1, 2, John writes this, Because of the truth which lives in us, Christian, and will be with us forever. 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 Wow. Just think of worshiping God forever. 65 years ago, I started playing youth hockey. And I remember, because it was there for years, I remember they had a banner up in the arena. And it simply said, take, don't send your boy to youth hockey. In other words, come be part of this and encourage them and let them know you're there. I don't think my parents, I don't even know if they ever saw the banner. I know they, never, they would never have read it. They never practiced that, and that's fine. I'm, I'll, I'll forgive them someday. But when, no, no, that's, no, no. But they did, they did miss some spectacular playing, I'll tell you that. Now, that latest ripple of laughter kind of hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know for sure what, what was meant by it, so... I'm going to think the, the, the best, not the worst, but um, anyway. So I, we used to adopt it many years later when I went into the ministry uh, for uh, Sunday school promotion, or back then it was a vacation Bible school, and we'd say, you know, bring, bring, don't send your children to Sunday school, whatever, because we wanted the whole family to be involved. And I got to say, when I was a child, um, I had to go to church because mom and dad took us. But I'm also going to say this. Barbara and I talk about this a lot because we had similar upbringings. Going to church was not a bad experience for me. As I recall, I don't have any bad feelings about that. I enjoyed um, going. I, I liked what was then called Sunday school. And I looked forward to it. I enjoyed, now I look back and understand it was Christian fellowship. And there were, I was surrounded by some really, really good people. And I always hoped to learn something from my class and even the preaching now and then. I, I had a hunger for, for God's Word. And um, it was just part of our, what we did as a family. Uh, I, the church service seemed long sometimes. Uh, I, there's nobody in here who knows what a long church service is. You people are so spoiled. But um, Right, brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church service seemed long, and sometimes it seemed boring to me, but only because certain subjects, I just couldn't understand what the pastor, uh, you know, was, was explaining. It was, wasn't that it was that 
Uh, it wasn't wild or anything. It's just I hadn't reached that understanding point yet. But, um, and, yeah, and let me say this. Preaching back in the 1950s was completely different than it is today. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether that's true or is today's approach completely different. Whichever you choose. They were different animals altogether. But as I got older, and then later, and I got, and accepted Christ, and nobody had to make me go to church. I look forward to it. And, and then came a time for a few years of my life, I just stepped aside. I had enough of that, and I knew all that stuff, and I was above that, and I didn't need it. And decided I would manage my own sorry life quite nicely on my own. Then one day, hallelujah, Hallelujah. The Word of God invaded my heart, and the Holy Spirit grabbed me and gripped me, and He would not let go. I asked Him to. I pleaded with Him different times. I said, I just can't do this. And He hung a fresh sign on me which read, Under New Management. And from that day to this, it's been a glory ride, let me tell you that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So that begs the question, doesn't it? Why are we here? Why are you here? Why do you come to church? Why do you attend the, the small group? Or whatever else you do in the name of the church. Are you here to worship? Are you here because you really want to be here? Or are you here because of family pressure? Are you here because of peer pressure? Are you here uh, because of social pressure? Are you here to protect the... Uh, uh, and defend your image of some kind. I, I don't know. I don't know. I never answer that for anybody else. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. These are Jesus' words. And he's speaking of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the rule makers, the tradition keepers of the day. Mm. Mm. These people, Jesus said, honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Oh, 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 may that never be said of us. They worship me, Jesus said, in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So look right here. This is a good time to do it. Early in the summer season, before we get busy with other things, we need to examine our own hearts when it comes to worship. Do we worship in vain? Just ask yourself right now, do I worship in vain? Is my worship real? Is it in vain? Are we totally serious? Am I sincere in my worship? Do I worship everywhere? Do I worship only Him? Do you come to draw near to the Lord? Are you here today to grow in your relationship to Him? Or is it outward show and no inward glow? In your heart of hearts, listen, listen, just put out anybody else from your mind. Somebody sitting with you, somebody that's here with you, somebody that isn't here. Doesn't matter who. And just draw that white chalk circle around you. You only have enough chalk left for one person. Just one little circle around you. And let me ask you this. Can you sincerely and truly say, quote, when I worship, 
I would rather have my heart be without words than my words be without heart. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves. That's why we don't need to examine each other. If we're busy examining ourselves, things will get set up right. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Wow. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Those are searching words, aren't they? And the psalmist says in Psalm 95, verses 6, 7, and 8, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. And today, if you would hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. It should be obvious to us that why we need to get with God's program of worship, because He is our Maker, He is our God, He is our Savior, we belong to Him, He cares for us. He cares for us more than we know, more than we care for ourselves. Simply put, let me state it for you. God's program is that we continue to worship Him, and we are to worship Him only. We are to worship Him everywhere, and we are to worship Him in complete sincerity. Here are some sage words of the very wise Mr. C.S. Lewis. It is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. Drink that in. Let it saturate your spirit. It's through worship that we come to know Him. And knowing Him is what life should be for us who are in Christ Jesus. Can we just be quiet for a moment? And let our spirits just respond to God and his word. And then let me pray for you and with you. Worship team making their way. Father God, thank you for reminding us of this great privilege that we have to serve you and to worship you. Let us never forget these truths of Scripture, these things that are so important to you. And vitally important to each of us. Thank you for a church that loves you, cares about you, is interested in having an impact for you in the community and around the world, wherever it might be. And as this message goes forth, I pray, God, that many lives will be encouraged, be impacted, will be touched And the power of the gospel will be witnessed. Souls will be saved and Christians will be encouraged in their faith and lifted up. Thank you for every person here today. We need every person. And every person needs every other person. This is the church. This is your family. This is your plan. This is your plan and your program for worship. And we praise you in the highest, for we pray in the loving name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ.